0: Hello, and welcome to Insights into Wealth with Bull Wealth. I'm Julian Smith, CEO of Bull Wealth. Today we're going to discuss wills and estates with our guest, Courtney Petch. Since the beginning of COVID-19, many clients and investors have asked us about updating their wills and estate plans. So we thought it best to invite an expert who can give us some insights into what to ask when you meet your next estate lawyer. As mentioned, joining Bullwell's Insights into Wealth podcast series is Courtney Petch, a tax and estate lawyer from Cummings, Cooper, Shersheim, Berliner. Over the years, Courtney has worked with many families to develop and or update their wills, be them simple and or complex. As you know, we like to keep it short and simple. So let's get to it with Courtney. Good afternoon, Courtney. Thank you so much for joining me today to discuss wills and estates.
1: Uh, It's my pleasure.
0: I thought before we get going, is to maybe introduce you to our listeners. And if you wouldn't mind just taking a few moments to talk about yourself, your background, your firm, and kind of what you do, if that's okay.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I am a tax and estates lawyer. We generally, as a firm, practice around owner-managed businesses, but also high net worth individuals. And sometimes we say complicated families and complicated assets. Uh, And there are many reasons why both of those things can be complicated. But I, I specialize in this area with trusts, the estate planning, and tax with respect to transferring wealth from one generation to another. Well, trying to be as efficient as possible. I've been doing this exclusively for almost 12 years now. It is something I, I truly enjoy staying on top of. It's a very interesting area to be practicing in these days.
0: It certainly is. And I'm sure you're extraordinarily busy, especially when we consider the pandemic that we've all been living through all the world has been living through. No doubt everybody is thinking or reconsidering many aspects of their lives, one of them obviously being their estates and the assets and how they pass them on to their beneficiaries, whoever that may be. So maybe with that in mind, would you mind answering a very simple question that a lot of our clients have, which is how often and when should somebody review their estate and their wills?
1: Okay. So there's a couple of times. I think that individuals should always take a look at their wills every two to three years. This means them just taking out copies of what they have and taking a look at them to make sure nothing has changed. Like their relationship with an individual hasn't changed. There's a big asset change. They've changed their mind. Those are things that they can do on their own just to make sure that they're happy with what they've put in there. I'd say about every five years, you want to give your estate lawyer a call. It may just be, I did my wills in X year. Has anything changed from a legal perspective that needs to be considered? And I have these conversations regularly with people. And then from there, the only other thing is major life changes. If someone passes away, that's significant. If someone becomes unable to manage their assets, anything that can really trigger a change in lifestyle is something that should be considered as well.
0: That's great. So I guess what you're saying is I should uh, take a look at my will because it's been more than three years. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a fairly good idea. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and then considering like everybody is unique, everyone is different and... Is there anything that's significant that is kind of in everybody's will that just kind of would be able to allow people to think a little bit before entering into a conversation with their estate lawyer?
1: Yes, of course. So one thing that we do is we send out a form for people to fill out in advance to make them sort of think ahead. But I think the most important thing to go into a meeting with is your overall plan. I can figure out how to get you there. Or I can tell you it's a terrible idea and we figure out something else. But you need to know what you want at the end of the day, because that's what we have to work towards.
0: You've kind of led me right into my next question, which is, how do you select and nominate an executor? What are the prerequisites that would be a a very good executor? Where do people look for that individual? It's such a critical component of the will and the estate upon passing.
1: So generally, we tell people to look to either a friend or a family member first as a consideration only because they're less likely to charge a huge amount for acting. They know you personally, likely know your beneficiaries personally, and they would be more likely to be able to implement what you're looking for. They don't have to be a professional. They don't have to know how to invest things. They don't need to be an accountant. They need to be someone who is aware of when they need help and is going to make rational decisions because they're going to hire a lawyer, accountant, investment advisor. They don't need to know how to do that personally. I get that a lot. Uh, What I care more about is that they're going to get along with your beneficiaries and that they're going to be able to make a decision without conflict. When we have children involved, I'm sure you can imagine one of the first questions is, do they get along? Because if they don't, then we need to be looking at a different consideration.
0: From a complicated standpoint or a more complex, would you advise your clients to have a professional executor or does that matter at the end of the day?
1: If they are wise enough to consult the people they need to, I mean, I implement reorganizations all the time after passing that I'm not 100% sure the executive always understands, but they understand where we're getting to. And that's all they really need to understand. We try our best to explain it. They don't need to have a sophisticated understanding to be able to implement what's going on. I really find the problem is location and dynamics are really the factors that are more important.
0: That's great. Great advice. One other final just follow-up question on that is... From a children's standpoint, are children good executors as long as they get along, as you say, from a family dynamic standpoint, or can that create other problems along the way?
1: The answer to that is both of those things. It is a very personal situation. At the end of the day, the hope is that your kids will get along enough because they all want to maximize the value of the estate. They all want to take care of their parents. That's what the hope is. I have seen siblings who get along like best friends, and I have seen them literally screaming like cats at each other across the table in their 60s. When they're not getting along, it can become very complicated and very slow because they can't agree or someone won't do something. But if they're getting along, they want to participate in those decisions. There can be issues with kids who are not included feeling like their input wasn't considered and they feel angry about it. There's so many personal emotions involved in these decisions that that everything is a consideration.
0: Well, thank you for that advice. It's uh, very insightful. Just in terms of power of attorney, because obviously the executor is upon the passing, power of attorney is when the individual is still uh, alive. I know there's a number of different types of power of attorney, but would the same type of considerations be put into the person being selected for the power of attorney or would you give different advice to your clients?
1: So for the power of attorney for property, it is very similar. The only consideration that's a little bit different is the number one priority of that person has to be taking care of you because you are still alive at that point. So you want to be confident that whoever you've appointed will not only listen to advice and deal with any other family conflict, but they will put you first. And then power of attorney for personal care, it's a completely different consideration. You want them to get along with whoever the power of attorney for property is if it's not the same person, but you want a person who is going to make medical decisions for you that are what you want them to make. I've had individuals who don't include a child because they know that child will refuse to make an end-of-life decision that they want, but they know the other one will. So it's important that they think about who's going to actually follow their wishes in that circumstance.
0: I know those are very difficult decisions for many people out there. Digging a little bit deeper, some people have multiple wills, a primary will and a secondary will. I was just wondering if maybe you'd mind just briefly explaining the differences and the reasons behind why somebody may want to have both a primary and a secondary will and how that affects their overall estate.
1: The underlying factor in all of it is a state administration tax. When someone passes away, any assets they own solely in their own name that doesn't have a designated beneficiary has to pass through their estate. If it's a piece of real property or any bank or investment account, they're going to have to probate their will, which means it's being filed with the court, they're approving the will, and then the person has the official authority to act. Multiple wills is a way that we can get around filing some of those assets and paying that tax. It is something where it's almost easier to explain backwards. A secondary will can apply to private corporations, assets held in trust for you. Shareholder loans, personal effects, unregistered loans between family members. And then the primary will is essentially everything else. And so we do that for not only avoiding the tax, but sometimes avoiding complication. In Toronto right now, the Toronto Estates Court is an absolute disaster. And we have filings that go in and we don't get back for 10 to 12 months. If a parent has died and you have to hold on to their piece of real estate for a year and pay all of those expenses, It is very expensive to keep that house up and running. And if we can do proper planning, we can avoid that entirely.
0: That's very interesting. Well, thank you. You mentioned something in there from a trust side. And I know that trusts are a key component within an estate and a will for certain people. And I know it's a very wide topic. But you mind just just explaining some of the reasons why somebody may include a trust within their estate and their will? And also the different types that that are out there.
1: So generally, intervivos trusts, which are trusts during lifetime, they're done for tax purposes. So be it income splitting, minimizing income tax on capital gains, or avoiding a state administration tax. That's generally what you're looking for. We used to have a lot more flexibility before they brought in new law back in 2017. But there's still use for those kinds of trusts, even with those limitations. Trusts after death generally are either about protecting the beneficiary or protecting the assets. We have planning for spouses, either protecting them essentially from themselves or from other predatory beneficiaries, as we sometimes call them. We have family businesses that we want to allow income during a lifetime, but to protect those assets going into the next generation. And of course, children who need a variety of protections against themselves, be it because of age, because of disability, or because they just simply cannot manage funds for whatever
0: reason. That's great. Thanks for all your insightful and thoughtful comments. We look forward to catching up with you again very shortly because I'm going to have to go and review my will with you.
1: (laughs) Sounds great.
0: (laughs) Thanks, Courtney. Thanks again to our guest, Courtney Patch. Insights into Wealth is a Vocal Fry Studios production. Our producer is Renita Bangert. I'm your host, Julian Smith. If you want to reach out to me, please email me directly, or you may find me on LinkedIn.
1: Bull wealth is the corporate group name of Bull Capital Management, Inc. and BullWealth Management Group, Inc. Bull Capital Management, Inc. is registered as a portfolio manager and exempt market dealer in the provinces of Ontario, British Columbia, Alberta and Quebec, and also as an investment fund manager in the province of Ontario. The information contained in this podcast is not intended to solicit or to provide research or investment advice to the listeners by BullWealth or any of its affiliates. Also, the receipt of the podcast by its listeners is not to be taken as constituting solicitation or giving of research or investment advice by BullWealth or any of its affiliates. This podcast should not be copied, distributed, published or reproduced in whole or in part.